I thought today, um, I, I'm gearing this toward the kids. I've got two stories I'm going to read. Um, this first one uh, I'm going to read, I'll talk about it a little more in a minute. So title of my sermon, um, How Do I Know That I'm Saved? And man, what a good question. I can remember, you know, probably for a good five or six years, I always doubted my salvation. I mean, I just, I always had a question, am I really saved? It caused me to go to the altar every time and ask for forgiveness and be saved. If any of y'all have beaten me a number of times being saved, I would be absolutely amazed because I've been saved more times. I mean, it's crazy. And 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 the verse we've always used, I can imagine at one time, this verse had so much power to help people know that they were saved but somehow over time you get people, they can quote this verse but you, and, they, and they believe this verse as far as a head knowledge. But you watch their lives and you say, there's really nothing different about their lives. And the verse is John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes. Okay? Now, and, and we've just taken this general word of believe. Yes, I believe that. I, I don't believe that. And you know, it's just this, do I think it's true or do I think it's not true? And since I think it's true that there really was a Jesus who came down here and died on a cross, and yeah, I, I said a prayer to him, I'm forgiven. But the word believe is more like a put your trust in. You know, like, I can believe that that drum stool or something is going to hold me up if I sit on it, but I only trust in it if I actually do it. You know, that to put your trust in it. Have you, have you put your trust in it? And, and, and a while back, a long time ago, the Puritans, you know, when they, when they read this, I think they really believed that. I believe I have put my trust in him, so I know that I'm saved, because whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That should do for us what it did for them, but somehow it doesn't. So for me, and I'm not saying you have to change your theology or anything like that. For me, I like um, this verse, the next verse, to be our, uh, to be kind of like today's salvation verse. If I know that I'm saved, I may be able to quote three sixteen, but like after being a Christian for four or five years, I remember one of my college friends. You know, I was telling him about Jesus while we were playing golf or something, and he was like, Adam, you don't really get to tell me about God. And I'm like, why? He said, because you're no different than me. You hit a bad shot, you cuss just like I do, and you do all the stuff that I do. And I just said, ouch, and I just left it alone because I had absolutely no defense. I believed, but my life wasn't really making a difference for anybody, and people that really watched me knew that, you know, that God doesn't really live out what he says. So I like this verse to be like the new kind of John 3.16. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is brand new. He is a new creation. Old things like there were things that he used to do and used to say and ways that he used to be and attitudes he used to have. And man, those things are gone. Behold, all things have become new. Like, this guy is so different now. What happened to you? I got saved. If anyone's in Christ, he is brand new. So I want to read a couple of stories to you today about radical life change. That it being obvious that you are in 
Christ because of the way you used to be. Or, or maybe if you really did put your trust in at a really young age, there's behaviors, there's always been behaviors where maybe you've wanted to go down this wrong road, but you said no. No, I'm, I'm a new creation. I'm in Christ. I don't take that road. Okay, so this first story took me 12 minutes to read uh, this morning when I was practicing. Uh, comes from a guy named Steve Grohl. Okay, and I can't wait to post this message on the internet and let him hear that I've been talking about him because nobody really knows about this guy, um, Steve Grohl. He's from California. Uh, back in 2011, I think it was, he, uh, he, said, he, he was reading my Wednesday morning devotionals. If you go to WednesdayMorningDevotional.com, you can read everything I've written the past five or six years. Um, or you can look up WMD on uh, Facebook, and you might get some weapons of mass destruction, but you'll also find Wednesday morning devotional. Um, but anyway, <laughs> this guy, he sent me an email. I said, man, if I, if I send you a book, will you... Um, Will you read it? And I said, sure, send it on. And he sent it. And I let the book sit there for about a year. And I finally said, you know what? I need to read this guy's book because I said I would. Man, I devoured this thing in like two or three days. It was called Beyond the Dead Forest. And if you like the Narnia stuff, man, this guy's book is fantastic. I mean, these kids go into this different world and basically learn how to live Christ-like, though it's all metaphoric. Uh, there's, a, there's a guardian who is obviously Jesus and God. and There's an adversary who is obviously the devil. And I mean, it's, it's fantastic. I loved it. I've read it like two or three times. Um, he does kind of have a little dark edge to his story. I couldn't wait to read the story to Caroline and Jameson. And uh, I don't know. I started about three years ago. I tried, but they were a little too young. And they were like running downstairs into our bedroom. And like, we're scared. And I'm like, man. They're not, they're not ready for that yet. So we've just kind of now just started reading it. We're about, you know, a little more than halfway through the book. But I love it. And he just wrote a new book. And, man, he sent it to me and said, Adam, I'll give you a free link on your uh, Kindle if you'll, if you'll read it. And, and it's called Strange Stories, Peculiar Lessons. And this one's called The Forbidden Attic, okay? And we, you, I used this, this story at the alternative school this year, and I'll tell you how, how we applied it. But uh, if I scare your kids and they sleep with you tonight, I'm sorry, okay? All right. So this one's called The Forbidden Attic. Obsessed with the attic, Tom devises a plan to gain access to the forbidden space and lives to regret it. Tom was 12 years old. Now, that's coming later. This is the one that kind of um, saves this story because this one's kind of mean. You know, that one's kind of like nice, you know? So... Hopefully, the you know, negative 5 plus positive 5 is 0. So, all right. Anyway, Tom was 12 years old when he... Tom was 12 years old. He lived in a large, old house on the edge of town. Like many old houses, this one had a large attic at the top of the stairs. The attic was off-limits to Tom and his little sister. But the boy was so fascinated with this forbidden place that he became more and more obsessed with the idea of exploring it. The question was, how and when could he do it without getting caught? Finally, one Saturday morning, he woke up with the answer. Tom's parents took a nap every Saturday afternoon. He would tell them at lunchtime that he had loads of homework and he would be in the room working on it for the rest of the day. For effect, he added, I probably won't be done by dinner time." 
but hopefully I can finish by bedtime. The truth was, he didn't have any homework. He finished it before he went to bed the night before. Tom's mom said, all right, just be sure that you check on your sister and you two be quiet. Dad and I are going to take a nap. Okay, mom, don't worry about us. We'll be fine. Tom waited in his room until he was sure his parents were sound asleep before he began his ascent to the attic. When he was about halfway up the stairs, he heard his sister's bedroom door open. He looked back and saw the little blonde girl in her yellow play dress looking at him. Dad said we're not supposed to go into the attic. Tom scrunched up his freckled face, squinted his dark brown eyes, and gave his sister his meanest look, and he said, you go back into your room and stay there. If you tell mom or dad that I went into the attic, I'm going to make you sorry. Now be quiet and forget what you saw. The little six-year-old had tears welling up in her blue eyes as she stepped back into her room and quietly closed the door. The boy knew that he was free now to spend as much time as he needed to explore the attic without interference. It was a good thing that he remembered to step over the third step from the top because it creaked and might wake his dad. When he reached the door, the boy felt a thrill of excitement. He knew that there would be lots of interesting things in the attic. Otherwise, why would he not be allowed to enter it? Finally, the moment arrived and the excited boy opened the door and switched on the light. The first things he saw were lots of stacked cardboard boxes, racks of old clothes, and broken chairs and lampposts. There were boxes of old stuffed toys and old bicycles, some tools and jars of screws and bolts. As Tom moved further in, he noticed that it was dark way in the back because a light was out. As he was pondering whether he should move in further, he heard a noise. The noise scared Tom, but it also made him more curious. He called out, is anyone back there? When there was no response, he decided that he had seen enough. He was disappointed that the attic was not as interesting as he thought it would be. But then he heard another noise come from the dark corner. He decided to check it out, so he carefully ventured into the dark section of the attic. Wishing now that he had brought a flashlight, he was about to go back downstairs to get one when he saw a dull glow ahead, and with it, he felt a cool breeze that smelled like fresh night air. Tom continued moving toward the strange glow, not realizing that he was walking into another dimension that was nothing like his world. The boy eventually discovered he was walking on a dirt road. The strange glow was coming from a moon that did not look like the moon he was used to. There was enough light to see the outlines of trees and boulders along the road. Behind him, he heard a wolf howl. Then a young woman stepped out from behind a rock. She was pretty, but she did not look quite human. For one thing, she had fangs. Her eyes looked like wolf eyes, and she was taller than any woman he had ever seen. Welcome to your new home, your new world. This is the world of the long night. It's always dark here, and dark things live here. The only way you could have been able to cross over from your world to this one as if you had done an evil act. Tom was terrified of the woman. He stammered, I um, got lost, uh, that's all. I was uh, in, in my attic, and, and I heard noises coming from the back. Uh, there was no light. I, I, you would not be here if you did not belong here. If you belong here, then you must stay. Now, I must go. I do not have time to bother with you. 
But you don't understand. I can't stay here. My, my mother and father will be, well, they'll be, they'll be sorry and, and be sad if I don't return home. The woman's expression seemed to reveal a moment of compassion for the boy. For the boy. And then a look of anger took its place. Leave me. And then she howled like a wolf. Tom didn't know what to do. He was so scared, he just ran off. He called out for his mother and father. Eventually, he tired and sat down under a tree, resting his back against the trunk. What now, he wondered. Then he started talking to himself. What am I going to do? I have nowhere to go and no one to take care of me. I have no food or water. I'll just sit here until I die. Tom hugged his knees and cried. Ever so often, he would call out, Daddy, Daddy, I'm sorry. I'm lost. The boy jumped up in shock as he Heard a mocking voice saying, Daddy, Daddy, I'm lost. Why, why? Followed by a hideous laugh. Who's that? Who's there? In response, an ugly old elf with a long gray beard, wrinkled face, evil eyes, wearing a pointed black hat and carrying a knurled walking stick, stepped out from behind a tree. Who are you? Tom asked. The old elf was almost as tall as the boy. He stuck his nasty old face right into Tom's face and said, I'm your new daddy. The elf's breath stank so bad that the boy had to hold his breath. You're going to be my slave and do all the nasty work I don't want to do. Tom took a step back and breathed. No, you can't do that. That's not right. You'll get in trouble. Look who's talking. I know why you're here. You lied to your parents and disobeyed them by going to the attic. You did not stay home to watch your sister. In fact, you threatened her and even made her cry. Who are you to tell me what's not right? You do what you want to do. Why can't I? What could the boy say to that? He knew the elf was right. Tom hung his head and shrugged. Now, that's better. Come with me and I'll, make, I'll take you to my forest, your new home. The miserable boy walked behind the elf looking down at the ground. Eventually, they came to a forest of mushrooms. Never before had he seen a mushroom as big as a house. And there was thousands of them in all different sizes and colors. You get some sleep, boy. Tomorrow, you will be working until you can't stand anymore. I'm hungry. May I please have something to eat, Tom asked. You can eat the mushrooms. They're not poisonous. In fact, that's all there is to eat around here. Now... I'm going, I'm going to be close by. Don't even think of running away. There are wolves in this land, hungry wolves, that would kill you in a flash if it were not for me protecting you. They do not eat mushrooms, the elf said, and then laughed his nasty laugh. Tom picked some of the little mushrooms scattered around the ground. They were rubbery and tasted bitter. They made the boy gag when he tried to swallow them. He finally gave up trying to eat, curled up under a large mushroom, and cried. Stop your blubbering. You got what you wanted, didn't you? You got to explore the attic. Aren't you enjoying your reward for all your planning and scheming to get what you wanted? Now go to sleep. You got lots and lots and lots to do tomorrow. The elf laughed as he walked back into the forest and disappeared. Just as Tom was falling asleep, he thought he saw a wolf standing in front of him. He sat up with a gasp and saw the tall woman he met earlier standing beside him. Be quiet, or the elf will hear you. If you come with me right now, I can save you from the wicked creature. Tom whispered, I think you're a wolf, and if I go with you, you'll eat me as soon as you get me alone. Don't be silly, boy. If I wanted to eat you, I would have already done it. Now let's go. 
No, you have fangs. So, you have teeth. Are you going to bite me? No. Okay, then. Let's get you out of here and be quiet. But it was too late. The elf caught them before they could get very far. And where do you think you're going with my slave wolf? He's mine now. You had your chance to eat him when he entered this world. Leave us and do not come back unless you want to feel the power of my staff. The elf held up the walking stick with both hands and pointed the end at the woman. The woman bent down and whispered in the boy's ear, When I attack the elf, you turn around and run until you come to the dirt road. Turn right and follow it back the way you came. Enough, wolf. Get out of here now or you will die. Do not get your beard in a twist. I'm going. The woman took two steps heading away from the elf. The elf put his staff back at his side and said, Come on, boy, I think it's time for you to go to work on my... Quick as a flash, the woman turned. And by her second step toward the elf, she was already changing into a vicious wolf. Her transformation was so fast that when she left, she was already fully changed. The elf did not even have time to raise his staff. Tom ran as fast as he could in the direction the wolf told him to go. He was determined to get back home. He heard the sounds of growling and screams. The scared boy ran and ran until he thought his racing heart would burst. When he arrived at the end of the dirt road, he thought he would see the tunnel leading back to his attic, but all he saw was a wall of rock. There you are, Tom heard the lady, the lady wolf say. Where, 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 where's the passage back to my house? I told you when we first met that this is where you belong now. But I don't understand. You said you would save me. Yes, I have saved you from a life of misery serving as the elf slave. Now you're going to save me in return. Tom looked confused. What do you mean? The woman smiled a smile that looked like a wolf baring its teeth to its prey. The look on the woman's face filled the boy with terror. In a voice shaky with fear, he said, You lied to me. You're going to eat me after all, aren't you? Why didn't you just eat me when we first met? I wasn't hungry then. Now I'm famished. I figured that I would be doing us both a favor. I save you from a life of wretched slavery, and I save myself from starvation. There isn't anything much to eat around here, and I don't eat mushrooms. What about the elf? Didn't you... Did you, didn't you eat him when you attacked him? Of course not. I hate elf meat. It's tough and putrid tasting. The little boys are sweet. Tom was on the verge of sheer panic. He didn't know what else to do but beg for his life. Please don't eat me. I'm sorry for what I did. I'm curious. Have you learned something from this experience? Asked the wolf. Why should I tell you? You're just going to eat me and the only revenge I have is leaving you curious with an unanswered question. Answering my question will buy a few more seconds of life. Is not life more precious than a rather weak attempt at revenge? Tom thought about it for a minute. And then he said, I've learned that getting what you want isn't all it's cracked up to be if you have to betray and hurt others to get it. As soon as the boy finished his sentence, he heard a grinding sound come from the rock wall behind him. He turned to see an opening appear. That's it, Tom. It's over, the wolf woman said. You no longer belong in the land of the long night, and I've lost my meal. A spark of wisdom has ignited in your soul. Go back to your family. Tom did not question his unexpected change of fortune. He hurried back to his house as quickly as he could. Tom did not tell anyone of his adventures, but he did confess his wrongdoings to his parents and apologize to his sister. 
Tom did not resent his punishment one bit because there was nothing his loving parents would do to him that was anywhere close to what he almost suffered. That's good stuff right there, isn't it? And so something happened to him, and they could, and, and, and it was visible. The parents, you know, here he is, you know, he was scheming and you know, trying to be real sneaky, and now all of a sudden he's changed. Something happened to him that changed him. And say so we read this at the alternative school. We read this this year. And, you know, my lesson to them was, look, you did something in your regular setting at school. You know, either you don't do your work or you don't show up to school or you're, you're a behavior problem. There's a reason you are at the alternative school. You know, so there's your little time warp. You misbehave here and now you're in our world. In our world, you don't get to talk while you're in the hallway at all. You've got to walk in a single file line. I mean, this world is completely different. And you may think you don't belong here, but something you did made you belong here. And when you figure it out, when a spark of wisdom gets ignited in you and you realize the value of being back at your home school, you will get to go. This is almost a, a perfect parallel with what we do at the alternative school. But, you know, I thought about the relation to us as Christians. We are born into sin. You know, the first thing Adam said when he ate, when he disobeyed and ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of evil, you know, God said, what have you done? You know, why did you do this? And, you know, it's, it's her fault. You made this woman and she convinced me that it was okay. He played this blame game. He would no longer accept responsibility. And everything in us, we want us and our way. We're born into sin. We're born, and it's contrary to the way God wants us to live. And this otherworldly presence, this, this God who, who sent his son Jesus to die for us and take our punishment for us, we realize that. It's like, I need salvation. I need to change. If I'm going to become a resident of heaven, I am not the way I need to be to be a resident of heaven. I don't love my enemies. I don't love people I don't like. I'm not good to people who are, who are, who, who are even good to me, some of them, much less the people who I, who I don't like. I am contrary to God's way. I need salvation. I need a new heart. And through Christ and through forgiveness and through the cross, old things pass away. And all things become new. Now I realize that was a really, really scary, scary story. So uh, this, this one I'm going to read to you. And the, the pictures are involved in, in everything. So there was the evil kid who tried to be real sneaky. Here's, a, here's kind of the sassy mouth girl story. Okay, This one took me eight minutes to read this morning. Just in case you're wondering. All right. Rosie's Repentance by Aunt Carolyn. I got a ton of these books. I read them. I read them a good bit, actually. So, Rosie's Repentance. Next, uh, next slide. Rosie was up to her elbows in gift wrap and ribbons. Tomorrow would be Mother's birthday, and nothing seemed to be going right. Suddenly, Rosie threw up her hands and sent wrapping and ribbons everywhere. Oh, fiddlesticks, this is not a good present from Mother. Everybody will give her a better present than I, even my cat. Aunt Sarah looked up in astonishment, but said nothing. 
Don't look at me like that, Aunt Sarah, moaned Rosie. If you knew how awful I feel, I feel badly enough when I found, I feel, felt badly enough when I found out that Willie already wrapped his present for Mother. But I feel even worse now. Oh, she wailed. Oh, I wish I'd never been born. And I wish nobody else had. And I wish everybody was dead and buried. And the grass was growing over their graves. Then Rosie puckered up and tried her best to cry, but with little success. The two or three tears she managed to squeeze out were not big enough to run down her cheeks. But she put on a very cloudy, pouty face. No doubt Aunt Sarah's quiet room was much more pleasant before it was invaded by such a cross, unhappy-looking child. But Aunt Sarah did not say a word or seem to notice Rosie. She just went on hemming the apron she was making. Rosie muttered and snubbed, but gradually quieted down. After a short time of not being noticed, she asked rather anxiously, Why don't you talk to me, Aunt Sarah? Aunt Sarah put her work down. Come here, chickadee, she beckoned. Rosie hesitated. Next slide. Then went slowly to her. But when Aunt Sarah put her arm around her, kissed her, But when Aunt Sarah put her arm around her, kissed her, and rested her cheek against hers, the bad feeling seemed to leave Rosie, and she nestled closely to her aunt and whispered, I like it when you call me chickadee. The room seemed sunny again, and Aunt Sarah said, I came across this little picture this morning. I thought you might like to put it in Patch's book. Oh, let me see it, cried Rosie. Oh, yes, that's a good one. I'll write a verse under it, too. Patch's was Rosie's precious calico kitten. Rosie had been pasting pictures in a little scrapbook and writing little short poems under each one. This was to be the cat's present for Rosie's mother on her birthday. Rosie thought and twisted in the chair. At last, she asked, Aunt Sarah, what rhymes with cat? But in a moment, she cried, wait, don't tell me. I thought of something. Ooh, that should have happened in the other story. All right. Um, Wait, don't tell me. I thought of something. How does this sound? The dog chased the cat. I'll kick him for that. (laughs) Rosie, exclaimed Aunt Sarah. That's a terrible thing to say, especially in a poem book for your mother. Rosie puffed her cheeks and thought again. This time she wrote, the dog chased my patches. No wonder she scratches. There, that's all right, isn't it? Because the dog is barking at the cat in the picture. Next slide. I suppose so, answered Aunt Sarah. But tell me, Chickadee, what do you think's wrong with your own present for your mother? Why are you so worried about it? Rosie pooched her lip, lip out in a little and answered slowly. Well, you see, I heard Mother say she needed a pretty pin to, to wear on her new dress. And I wish I'd brought her one instead of this silk scarf. I'm afraid she would like the pin better. What do you think, Aunt Sarah? I think she'd rather have the scarf, declared Aunt Sarah, especially when she knows you picked it out yourself and bought it with your own money. But even if she didn't, I can't see how everybody dead and buried and with the grass growing over their graves will do any good. Rosie was quiet a moment. I'm sorry I said all that. Well, that's fine, Rosie, replied Aunt Sarah. But what good does being sorry do? You were sorry, too, after you shoved Willie over and called him an ugly, wicked boy because he pulled Patch's tail. Rosie's face flushed at the very thought of such an offense to her cat, but she didn't answer. And Aunt Sarah continued, You were sorry, too, after you told Janie you wished she had fallen in the lake and drowned herself and smashed her head and broken her legs because she accidentally broke your gold chain bracelet. 
It doesn't do a bit of good to be sorry if you go right on saying such mean things again every time someone does something that doesn't please you. What would happen if thieves and murderers were allowed to say they were sorry and then keep on stealing and killing just the same? Rosie looked shocked. Oh, Aunt Sarah, I would never steal or kill, she exclaimed. I certainly hope not, but all the bad men and women in prison now were once little children just like you who did not learn to control their bad feelings or govern their actions until they finally did terrible acts of crime. Rosie, I thought you told me that you recently asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins. You told me you got saved and that now you trust Christ as your Savior. <laughs> oh, I did, and I do, exclaimed Rosie. What did you really mean it when you told Jesus you were sorry for your sins? Oh, yes, Aunt Sarah, I did. I did. Well, if you're truly sorry for your sin, including your bad temper, you must not go back to the same way of talking and acting. Aunt Sarah spoke softly but sternly. Jesus saves us from our sin, not in our sin. Rosie was troubled. But Aunt Sarah, when bad things happen, I have to say something. I can't help it. My dear little chickadee, God tells us in his word to speak evil of no man, but to be gentle, shewing all meekness unto all men. And the psalmist said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle. But I can't help it, Rosie moaned. Now, Rosie, God also commanded, keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. God never commands us to do anything we can't do if we try. Two slides later. It's no use to try, Rosie muttered. I have tried, and it doesn't do one lick of good. But Rosie, have you asked the Lord to help you? You see, now that you have asked him to forgive your sins and to save you, you have the Holy Spirit living within you to help you do right if you'll call upon him. Perhaps you can't remember all at once to quit speaking crossly, but if you want to please Jesus, you must ask for his help, I and mean, you must keep trying all your life. That's an awfully long time, sighed Rosie. I, I don't believe I can try for that long. But, Aunt Sarah answered, if you will ask him each day, God will help you control your temper and your tongue. God always helps his children who call on him. You will see that as you trust one day at a time, it will become easier to do right and to speak kindly. Rosie was quiet and thoughtful for a long time. As Aunt Sarah left the room to press her apron, she took a card from her Bible and gave it to Rosie. And Rosie read, If from our sins we would repent in truth at Jesus' feet, we must not take it up again or dare that sin repeat. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily entangle us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. When Aunt Sarah came back, Rosie was still sitting on the footstool with the, footstool with the card in her hand. Next slide. She looked up with a bright face. Aunt Sarah, she said eagerly, I have learned these verses and I'm going to try every day to do right and be kind and pleasant. I don't know how I'll make out with Willie, but I'm going to try. Rosie did try. Every day she asked the Lord's help to control her selfishness. Although a few times she was cross, her repentance was real, and everyone noticed the difference in her life, even her brother. 
Willie. In fact, as Rosie grew in the Lord, people noticed that her once pouty, cloudy face changed to one of light and joy, and she became a real testimony for him. When our repentance and faith in Jesus is real, Christ forgives our sins and changes our lives. He enables us to overcome weakness and resist sin. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creator new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Jesus not only offers salvation, but also a victorious Christian life. Trust Christ as your Savior. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Then live each day so that you may be a witness for Christ. If you're already a Christian, confess and forsake any sin that would tarnish your testimony and bring reproach to Christ. Perhaps, like Rosie, you have a quick temper and a tongue. Perhaps you have a proud heart or a disobedient spirit. Whatever your problem, the Lord Jesus Christ will help you overcome it if you will yield your will to him. Let Jesus make you an obedient, humble, joyful servant for him. So there's Rosie's repentance. So guys, I'm just going to end with some of those verses that, that, were, that was in that story. The first one being, speak evil of no one. Be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Believe it or not, it matters what we post on Facebook about whoever, about whatever. It matters. Speak evil of no one. When other people that know you are a Christian see you post on Facebook or see you respond to other people, do they see that? That we don't talk bad. We don't speak evil of other people. We are peaceable, we are gentle, and we show humility and we are humble to all men. Next verse. I said I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. Okay, we don't realize that you can say things. I say things sometimes that I wish I could take back. And the only thing I can do is go to Tanya, go to my own two kids and say, I'm sorry. I should not have said that. I'm sorry. I will not do it again and make every effort in the world to pray and ask God to let me never go there again. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. We tell our kids at the alternative school, you know, you got two ears and only one mouth. You really should be listening twice as much as you speak. Next verse. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. That's what the kid in the first story, he should have memorized this verse. I'm being deceitful. I'm trying to trick my mom and dad so I can get what I want. Keep your tongue from being evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Next verse. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, people are watching us. And if you say you are a Christian, people are watching you. You are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, some who are for you and some who want to watch you fail so they can say there is nothing to that Christianity. I get to live however I want to and I don't need to receive that. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So what should we do? Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance. You can't even begin to run the race of Christianity until 
you agree that the sin that I know about, I need to lay down right here. I can't carry it while I'm running my race for the Lord Jesus Christ. And let us run with endurance. It's going to be patience. It's going to take a long time. Rosie said, I got to do this my whole life. Yes, you do. It's called running the race with endurance. The race that is set before us looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I can't do this, Lord. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Ask the Holy Spirit to, for help. He will help us to endure. And you may not get fixed immediately. It may take a few years. It may take 10 years. But who cares? As long as it happens, we keep looking to Him and we run this race with endurance and we accept the changes that He makes in us because people are watching us. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Next verse. Believe. Really believe. Really put your trust in Him and the words that He has written in this book. Believe. Put your trust on the, in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And not only you, your household, because your children watch you and they know what you really put your trust in. Daddy puts his trust in money and work because he's gone all the time. Daddy puts his trust in his hobbies because that's what he spends all his money on and that's what he loves to do. Or daddy is in there praying. Daddy is in there reading his Bible. Daddy really believes in this stuff right here. If you really believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. And not only you, but everybody in your house who watches you really live this out. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this message, Lord. How can we know that we're saved I can't think of any other way we can know that we're saved than to look back over the course of our lives and see that you have changed us, that we were one way and we are completely different ever since you came into our life. And even if we were saved at a very young age, we look back and we look at decisions that we made for you that were difficult, that were unpopular, but it saved us from so many things that other people have to go through. Lord, I can't think of any other way that, that, to, to know that we're saved because you have made old things pass away. And all things become new. Lord, I pray for everybody in here. I believe everybody in here has said, Lord, will you forgive me and come into my life? But I pray, Lord, starting now, that you'll work the circumstances in our lives and work everything for the good, for those who, are, who love you and are called according to your purpose, that you will work everything, Lord, so that we can look back over the course of our lives and know that we know that we know that we are saved and that we are in you, for there is no one like you. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.